Hey everyone, do you love movies? Do you like betting? If you do, then Box Office Bets is the podcast for you. With Tom Cunningham and myself, Brian Ortega, we'll guide you through Oscar season with our breakdown of each Oscar contender and give you our projections based on what the betting market is saying about each Oscar race. Make sure to check us out every week as we focus on a specific movie and break down its best chances to win right here on Box Office Bets. Welcome to Concierge Confidential. This is Brian Ortega, your host, and welcome to another week here on the pod. In this week's episode, um, I'm actually going to be talking about the basics of the Grand Canyon. Um, this actually um, is a pretty common thing to do in Las Vegas, is to actually go see the Grand Canyon. We get a lot of people from different parts of the world um, that are essentially hours away from one of the seven uh, natural wonders of the world, and why wouldn't you visit? So um, I totally get it. Uh, but there are a couple of misconceptions that you should know about when you're actually coming to Las Vegas to see the canyon, and we're going to be going over that today. Um, I'm actually going to also explain why I'm not a concierge anymore. Um, that was a question that was brought up by a few people who have been listening to the pod and want a kind of a sort of an explanation, and I'm glad to actually share my, my, uh, my views on that. And uh, we're also going to be reviewing a couple things that happened over the weekend. So uh, stay tuned for this episode of Concierge Confidential Grand Canyon Edition. All right, everybody, we're going to be diving into the Grand Canyon basics. So the number one thing I want you guys to know about visiting Las Vegas and then going to the Grand Canyon is that the Grand Canyon is actually quite far from the actual city of Las Vegas. It's a minimum at least two two and a half hours from the city. So just know that it's it doesn't sound like a lot, but that's two and a half hours one way and two and a half hours back. So that's looking at about five hours of driving and you haven't even looked at the Grand Canyon at that point. So just keep that in mind that actually going to the Grand Canyon can you know take up quite a bit of the day. So um, there's a couple ways to do it. You can drive yourself, which is a very popular thing to do, especially if you're gonna be here for multiple days. Um, another way to do it is doing a tour Probably the most popular way to do it is doing a driving tour where you actually have a big bus or you can do like a private tour if you want. And there's quite a few companies that operate. There's actually many, many companies that operate Grand Canyon tours that go to the west south, and the south rim. Uh, the last thing to do, that you could do is um, you can do it by air. So you can do a helicopter. You can do an airplane. Not very many airplane ones that go to the west rim and the south rim. Uh, most of the airplane ones go all the way to the South Rim to sort of make it worth it. Because if you took a plane, it basically would take you about five minutes to get to the Grand Canyon. So uh, most of them are going to be helicopter tours. There's multiple in the area. Um, there is one that we always used to book with uh, over at MGM Grand. So um, we'll kind of go over that as well. So anyways, number one thing is it is a very, it could be a very long day, especially if you're going to be going to the South Rim. Just keep this in mind. Westrim is going to be the closest to Las Vegas, so about two and a half hours each way, so it's about a five-hour drive. If you want to do the South Rim, the South Rim is the most popular part of the canyon, so that's going to be the National Park. That's the one that you, is essentially free to get into, and uh, also, that one's going to have the greatest views of the Grand Canyon, so that's going to be, whenever you've seen pictures of the Grand Canyon, we've always told people this, uh, we're taken from the South Rim. It's where the deepest and the widest part of the canyons are. Um, it's also a little bit more commercialized. There's typically going to be more paved roads. There's typically going to be better um, 
like gift shops and things of that nature. And it's also where uh, Maverick Helicopters, which is a company that I'm going to recommend, uh, operates their uh, helipads from. So uh, just keep that in mind. South Rim is going to be the national park, and the West Rim is operated by the uh, uh, Native American Reservation. So uh, just keep that in mind. And also another thing to keep in mind and on that on that note is that the West Rim is typically more expensive to get into than the South Rim. So if you're ever doing tours from the Grand Canyon or to the Grand Canyon, the West Rim will always end up being more expensive just because the Native American tribe does charge extra to actually go into that part of the canyon. The South Rim is, again, operated by the National Park Service. So just keep that in mind when you're actually booking or wondering why the closer place is actually more expensive than going further away. Um, also, important to note that if you are going to be doing the South Rim, the South Rim can take up to, you know, a 10-hour day just because it does take about four hours to get to the South Rim and then four hours back. So it's, again, eight hours of drive time and then the three, four hours you get at the actual canyon itself. So... Those are some of the basics of going to the Grand Canyon. Um, is it worth it? Especially if you're coming from different places, 100%. If you've never, if you always want to see the Grand Canyon, this is your one chance to do it. This is probably as close as you're going to get to a civilized place to see the Grand Canyon, unless you're, you know, driving there specifically just for it from like Iowa or something. But just know that it does take a take up quite a bit of your day. Um, I actually had a very nice person reach out to me that wanted to get a little bit of a breakdown of sort of first timers to Vegas. And I'm actually going to be doing a whole pod of that by itself, sort of breaking down an itinerary for first timers who are coming on, you know, just a couple days. Uh, but this one specifically, this is one of her questions was, can I do the Grand Canyon? Which again, it is possible, but if you are coming with only like three days of your vacation and you've never been to Las Vegas before, I'm not saying you can't do it but you are going to be taking up quite a bit of one day. So another thing to note is that this they usually have one leaving time. So if you're going to be going to the West Rim or the South Rim, you're going to be leaving pretty early in the morning. So it's typically going to be like around 6 in the morning, 6 or 7 in the morning you're going to be leaving and then spending most of the day at the canyon. It is also a very draining day, especially if you're choosing to come in the summer. It's very, very hot. There's not a lot of shade at the Grand Canyon. So once you get out there, you are going to be in the elements. So again, just a little thing to note is that if you're going to be only here for three days, four days, one of those days, if you choose to the canyon, will be only the canyon because you're going to come back and you're going to be completely exhausted. You're not going to want to go to a show. You're not going to want to go to dinner, which brings me into my next thing is that you should not plan anything the day of your Grand Canyon trip. So whether it's a show or dinner, I would not plan for anything in terms of in, in those terms. Um, for example, for like dinner, um, I would recommend that you go to a place that doesn't require reservations. So for example, like Planet Hollywood has their cafe. That's completely fine for dinner. Most rest most places in lot, most uh, resorts on the strip will have a, a location that is typically walk up where you can just sit down, have, you know, a quick bite and then go, you know, go take a take a nap or something. But just know it's a very long day going to the canyon. So number two sort of recommendation that I would say is do not plan anything the night of your Grand Canyon trip. There is a caveat, though. That is if you drive to the Grand Canyon, if you are flying to the Grand Canyon. So if you do like a Maverick helicopter tour, the helicopter tours takes, a, takes up significantly less time. So if you do the, for example, wind dancer tour, 
which that leaves from Las Vegas, which also provides transportation to and from the airport. And then from there, you're going to go to the West Rim. Uh, there's no helicopter tours that will take you to the South Rim unless you grab their uh, their airline, essentially. It flies you to the South Rim. And then from the South Rim, you will grab onto a helicopter that will take you through the Grand Canyon. Um, I did check, and I didn't see that any places um, that I know of or that I would recommend are still operating their flights right now uh, just because sort of post-pandemic a lot of those companies sort of uh, got rid of that aspect of their business Uh, but if you're uh, listening to this and you are somebody who knows or have done it in the past couple months uh, please feel free to reach out just so I can maybe correct that but from what I've seen uh, Maverick uh, Airlines which was the company that we used to book um, haven't seen them post or um, see prices for them anywhere to go to the Grand Canyon so uh, for those of you wondering how long it takes, if you do the Wind Dancer tour, uh, that typically will fly you from Las Vegas to the West Rim. And along the way, you're going to see things like the Hoover Dam. You'll also see the Las Vegas Strip of it itself. Uh, you sort of see a little bit of the Valley of Fire, as well, but it's not sort of like included. But it is a really great little tour, especially if you want to get sort of your dose of the canyon. It only takes about four hours in total. That's, you know, the entire trip. Uh, so it's usually about a 20 to 25 minute flight there. Uh, don't check my math. I suck at it uh, because they do <laughs> actually uh, say the entire um, experience. It starts from when you get picked up at your uh, hotel. So that's where like kind of the four hours gets sort of like wrapped into it. So it's about a 30 minute flight to the canyon. And then once you get there, you're going to get out. You're going to actually go to like a picnic area inside of the canyon and then you have sort of like a little bit of a light like snack. You usually have like a champagne toast. This is where you propose for those of you out here figuring out when you can propose at the Grand Canyon. And then you'll get back into the helicopter and then back to Las Vegas. Uh, they will usually do a sort of round trip around the strip. Just give you sort of give you that uh, sh- shot of it. Uh, so just if you're wondering, that actually costs close to about 500 bucks a uh, person, so 479 to be exact. Um, I do know that if you book through the concierge, especially this was back in the day, they were able to knock that down about $30. So just keep that in mind. If you book with a concierge, you usually get a little bit of a discount or a little bit of a break when booking these tours. Um, they can fill up, especially like during convention season, um, especially a lot of when you had an international convention like CES or where you're getting a lot of clients that are coming in from other parts of the world. This is something that they are able to do while they're here, um, especially if they're from like uh, Japan or Asia or you know the Far East, just because it is a long flight and it is something that they've oh, they, that um, business people like to do because it's something that's exciting, uh, but not you know alcohol related. So uh, that's very popular during uh, like CES and a lot of these tech conventions. So just keep that in mind. Uh, helicopters can be filled up quite quickly, especially if you do not book far ahead in time. But it is totally possible. They usually have different leaving times. Um, Just note that if you are a larger person, the weight restriction is usually about 300 pounds. So if you are 300 pounds or more or somewhat close to that, just know that they do weigh you when you get to the terminal, um, which I know I'm a bigger person, so I'm always kind of nervous about doing things like that. So uh, just be wary. Um... When you give them their weight, uh, you can you know you can fudge up about you know five ten pounds. But I mean, if it's thirty pounds difference, uh, it's not good. So just depending on how many people are on your flight, they may charge you extra for that seat. So 
they're going to ask you like, hey, is that your weight? Is that this and that? So just be wary that you do get weighed. So just keep that in mind if you're going to be doing the helicopter. You're wondering, if you're wondering why they weigh you, um, it's for balance for the helicopter. And they have to seat you in certain areas and, and all that good stuff. So that's the helicopter tour. And But that is definitely something you can plan and have something planned for the evening as well. Because typically it only takes maybe you know three and a half, four hours total. You'll be back at your hotel. It's not too draining. Even that is a little bit draining because you are kind of in the sun. Uh, but just know that they typically don't land on the top of the Grand Canyon for the helicopter tours unless you're going to be doing some of their other like uh, Western Odyssey or uh, other specialty tours that actually do land at the top, take you to the uh, Skywalk, which is extremely popular, and then also take you down. So I want to just kind of give you an idea of what the Skywalk is like. The Skywalk, if you're doing a helicopter tour, is not worth it because you are flying through the Grand Canyon, and why would you need the Skywalk? You also can't really take pictures in the Skywalk either. Uh, honestly, this is a little confession from a concierge for this particular pod, is that the most overrated attraction you can probably do, um, I'm not going to say in Las Vegas because there are quite a bit of uh, overrated things to do, is the Skywalk. The Skywalk is certainly one of the most overrated things to pay extra for uh, on your trips. So just keep that in mind. You don't need to do the Skywalk. You could basically just look over the regular side of the canyon and be just as cool. So again, just a little fruit for thought. Uh, but yeah, so you, if you do the helicopter tours, you can plan all you want. Totally, totally cool. Um, so yeah, um, other little things about sort of Grand Canyon tours. There's good ones. There's bad ones, obviously. A company we used to work with a lot was Sweet Tours, which Sweet Tours was one of the more affordable options. Another cool thing about them is they didn't require a credit card at time of booking, which is always kind of nice. i um, not saying that you should cancel on any of your tours because that's not cool, but you didn't need a credit card to book their reservations. Um, another company, if you want a smaller group, this is usually max like 12 people that can fit into their Jeeps. And that is Pink Jeep Tours, which is actually one of the better reviewed companies here in town. So Pink Jeep Tours is actually quite good. Sweet Tours is also good as well. Um, if you're kind of figuring out what pricing would be like, Sweet Tours typically runs their Westrim tour for about uh, $149 and includes lunch. And then South Rim is usually $155 as well. Uh, Pink Jeep Tours is obviously a little bit pricier. For their Westrim tour, it's about $314. So um, again, it's a little bit pricier, but it is a much more personalized experience. There's only about 12 people in a Pink Jeep tour, and it's usually sort of like a retrofitted, like cool, like uh, uh, off-road truck. But it's actually like more, I can't, it's really hard to explain, but sort of looks like something you would take like into war, but like in a cool way. Uh, but if you check out their website, pinkjeeptours.com, uh, they'll have a, a sort of a pictures of their of their rides. But anyways, these are all obviously plugs for these, these companies because we used to use them. Um, and I, I used to also think that they were some of the best ones. So I'm just here to sort of steer you in the correct direction because I know that it can be overwhelming sometimes. And if you just sort of take all these tour companies and give you sort of a... Uh, uh, a, a smaller list that's usually helpful. So hopefully that was helpful portion of this pod, um, which is the Grand Canyon. So also take a million pictures because why are you going to the Grand Canyon without taking pictures? So uh, again, uh, also you can't ride donkeys to the bottom. That's always the thing that people wanted to do was ride donkeys to the bottom. Can't really do it anymore, unfortunately. What can you do? 
So um, I actually want to give sort of an explanation of why I'm not a concierge anymore. So um, pretty similar to a lot of people sort of shift is that um, the pandemic happened. Uh, the pandemic day was quite interesting um, sort of leading up to it. Um, I don't want to like trigger anybody, but this was back when March Madness was going on uh, right before it. It was the Pac-12 tournament and we were all kind of getting revved up. We had a lot of people in town start hearing the news of sort of this like thing going around and then then we kind of got hit with um the pac 12 saying we're canceling today's games which is sort of off-putting and then something happened in the nba where a player ended up being you know sick had to be taken off the court they didn't play that actually kind of hit everybody really sort of sort of really hard and then they found out that they canceled the entire pac 12 tournament and then we're like, oh, no, like, what are we going to do? And then from there, it sort of trickled down to, well, we're not going to have this. We're not going to have that. And then we're all going to be on sort of a part-time basis. And literally within three days, we went from being full-time workers, part-time workers where we had to sign a paper, um, which, again, this is all sort of going through a very confusing time. And then where they basically just said sort of the CEO from uh, MGM Resorts said, we just have to close all of our resorts and everybody has to go home. So essentially everybody got uh, sort of like a leave um, with no, with obviously no pay after that. So they had sort of a retroactive sort of paying thing where it was a couple weeks or however they were going to do it. Um, and it was crazy. It was really a crazy time. So like we were getting people calling and it was actually very interesting to hear uh, guests who guests can be very, uh, uh, they they can be very difficult sometimes, and it was really a really tough day because you're trying to think. I was sort of in the middle of the seniority list, and I'm trying to like make sure that I'm still like a good worker. And I came in. We're getting all these calls. Uh, none of us were doing face to face. This was all like in the back room, and we were just fielding all these calls of people asking, you know, I need to cancel my trip i need to cancel my tickets and and the thing was is everybody was very confused and our our uh, all of our vendors and stuff they basically just sent us emails that every everything's going to be canceled so all refunds are going to be sent back to point of purchase and most of our stuff is credit card operated so it just goes back to that space anyways uh same thing with the hotel stays hotel stays were being uh, refunded, obviously, and people just were calling and saying, hey, I'm trying to cancel my show tickets. I'll, I want to make sure that I'll be back. Uh, I promise. It, it was just unbelievable how, um, how, how much humanity there was at that particular time, which I know I try to keep this podcast light, but uh, this was sort of the, the, the route we went down. And really, it was fantastic to see how, how, how nice guests were about canceling their vacation to, to us and we just try to sort of reaffirm that it's okay we totally get it we understand kind of what's going on in the world and people would say yeah i, I promise we'll be back i promise we'll be back when we can when we, when we can and we just can't travel at this time and obviously the whole airline situation and it was just a very you know humbling experience i would say um, and then I was, uh, also supposed to, I was off on, on the Mon on a Monday and they called in, Oh, can you come in this day? And then I did. And, and it was a tough day just kind of hearing all the sort of things rolling in sort of crashing on top of me 
or just everybody, just all sort of the grief of not being able to just go on vacation, which obviously in the in the long term wasn't a huge deal. But, you know, for, for us, not being able to serve was a really big deal. And uh, just to give you an idea of what our normal occupancy is on, on a normal day, we were usually our normal occupancy was 90, 95%. And on like a slow week, let's just say like the week right before New Year's, it can get as low as maybe 75%, and that's actually quite low, so 70 70%. I believe the day before we closed the entire hotel, the occupancy was around, I would say, 15 to 20%, and that was when we like really freaked out, and it's like, it's never like this. So it was quite a, quite a, quite a heavy experience going through all that, and then all of us kind of figuring out that we were like laid off at that point. And we, some of us like for myself has never been fired from a job or laid off from a job. So it was a really, really interesting experience to sort of go through. And, uh, it was tough. So it was really a, t a tough couple of days when the pandemic started. Um, a lot of this is sort of coming up because I've been watching the show last of us, um, as well as station 11. So those of you, TV fans out there, that's what I've been doing. So it kind of made me sort of think of a retrospective of those days. But um, yeah, it was just great to see that guests can be um, very human in those particular moments. Because as a member of like the service industry, you do get a lot of a lot of the worst of people, especially in certain moments where we may not believe that it's important. Like you know, it's you know, why are you getting mad at me for your vacation? But, you know, we never see the best of people sometimes, and, and it was great to see the humanity of other people. So just wanted to sort of share. So anyways, that was reasoning why I am no longer a concierge was the pandemic, obviously. And then as we started to slowly sort of come back into it, um, I had mo moved to Arizona for a little bit. Still have my apartment and things here in Las Vegas, but moved back to Arizona, worked with my family for, you know, for the time that I was there. Um, and then from there, got called back for the summertime, which I believe was 20, I want to say 2021. And then from from there, uh, I actually worked at the pool. Not anybody's fault, but working at the pool, being mask duty, which we call it all the time, was the absolute worst job I've ever had. So uh, no offense to those of you at MGM Grand, but being on mask patrol uh, sucked, to be honest. So did that for a while. I know I know some of you listening have been to Vegas during the pandemic. It was not a fun time. Being at the pool was not cool in the 115 degree heat and not great. So anyways, that was kind of your way of sort of getting back into the system of working at MGM. And then there was a point where you just got over it. You got tired of sort of the bereavement of all the th all the stuff. So I basically just, you know, I quit. I had never quit a job like that before. Um, and actually, at the same time, I got a job at um, a local TV station uh, editing because that's what I did earlier in my life or I did went to school for. So I did that for a while. And that's when I just basically quit MGM Grand. And um, it was interesting because I because we were always very nervous about quitting at MGM for those particular reasons because, again, as a very complicated time for for all of us because we didn't know how it would all work out because a lot of people quit those jobs um and not knowing like if they're going to be able to come back and work in their departments like i knew somebody who worked in conventions 
and she was over it and she wanted to quit that job and and then I did the same thing where I was like ah, I, I just I don't want to stop being a concierge but I just can't do it so you don't want to lose your place in line essentially or when they call you back and nobody knew when that was going to be so so quit that job went into to TV uh, for a little bit and that was sort of a temp job and then I went back to Arizona sort of spent some time there and was really close to working, end up working at JW Marriott uh, in Arizona, which would have been pretty cool. Uh, but the cool thing was is that I also had a application out for a job here in Las Vegas, which was for TV as well. And the same day that I had been offered the job at JW Marriott, I ended up uh, sort of rescinding that and then moving back to Las Vegas because I was totally ready to move back to Tucson, but uh, was able to move back to Las Vegas. And now I'm still here. Still being able to do stuff in town, even though I'm not as a concierge, which I was actually invited back to be a concierge. But um, one of the things was is that it's sort of hard to figure out what it's like to work in hospitality after a pandemic and be hospitable and all this other good stuff. And obviously, we still had to wear masks for a very long chunk of the time. So um, I didn't feel that that was going to be good for me. Uh, just because, again, I have there's a level of service that you want to give, and it's really hard to sort of wait out that moment. And I also took it kind of as a pivot into something that I can, you know, grow a little bit more. And because those of you not in the hospitality industry, it is sometimes hard to sort of move within that um, space. So that's why I ended up actually going into TV, just because it was something that I knew I can grow and do different things in. So um, I still have friends who are concierge. I still love the profession. I sometimes miss being able to do all these cool things. But I then I started this podcast, which actually I find a lot of joy out of giving you guys explanations and experiences that I've had. And hopefully it's helpful for when you come to Las Vegas, even though I don't get paid um, to actually get commissions and stuff off of selling you things. Uh, I just really enjoy giving you the information. So hopefully that was sort of a fun trip of why I no longer am a concierge. But don't worry, don't cry over spilt milk. We're all good. Still enjoy the awesome things that uh, I was able to learn and actually give to you guys. So Anyways, this was our Concierge Confidential for today. We talked about Grand Canyon. We got a little bit personal, but hopefully you guys enjoyed it and tune into the next one. So for Concierge Confidential, I'm your host, Brian Ortega. Have a great day.